Morning, everybody. Excited for today. Uh, scandal of Christmas is what we've been talking about. And sometimes scandals are really not anything to do with government secrets or uh, the things we see in the media um, or, or our retail things that we talked about last week. Sometimes scandals are simply the fact that, that God chooses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. We talked last week about how Mary was asked to do an extraordinary thing, and she was just a regular person. And today we look at the next story in the scripture uh, where Joseph comes, and he has to deal with this. And so um, we're going to do it a couple different ways today. And so if you have a Bible, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read it, because some of us really don't know the story. And then instead of taking that apart or looking kind of verse by verse, uh, we're going to hear it from, from somebody else's perspective, from kind of the modern day equivalent of, of what one family experienced. Newcomers, you'll see it on video. And then uh, I'll come back up, not as Rob, but instead as Joseph, uh, who would have been experiencing this news and this reality. So uh, I pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to us in this time. So. First, we read the story from the book of Matthew, chapter 1, starting in verse 18. It says, This is how Jesus, the birth of Jesus the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged, or his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her public disgrace, he had in his mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived from her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel had commanded him and took Mary home to be his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, and, she gave him, and he gave him the name Jesus. God, speak to us in this time through your word, through people's stories, and through the experience of trying to imagine what it would have been like to, to face uh, hijacked plans. Hi, my name is Jeremy Stuber, and uh, when I was in high school, I was like pretty much every other teenage boy. I love sports. Oh, by the way, I also liked girls. But I had a dream. I wanted to grow up and be a sports agent. Jerry Maguire came out about that time, and if no other reason, I wanted to be able to say, show me the money. But uh, when we found out, I was a junior in high school, when we found out we were pregnant, my whole world came crashing down. I wasn't sure where I was going to go next, and the idea of having a dream and following it seemed to just crumble right in front of my face. Because who can be a dad in high school and still grow up to be something significant? Hi, I'm Kim. Um, when I was 16 years old, I was a pretty ordinary teenager. Um, I had dreams of going to college um, 
becoming a teacher. I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher and I, I really, that had been my dream since I was five years old myself. I had dreamt of lesson plans and how I would decorate the, the bulletin board and seating charts and that was all I'd ever wanted to do. And uh, I met Jeremy when I was uh, just shy of 17, fell in love with him very, very quickly, or lust, and um, we got pregnant in uh, the summer, just beginning my senior year of high school. And I found out in October, and my world came crumbling down. Um, I had no idea what would happen with those dreams, or how I could possibly do them. Um, I didn't know why God was doing this to me, but I knew I had a choice to accept what was happening or to reject it and try and make it go away, which was going to be difficult. So I um, chose to accept it. I graduated from high school and went on to college to pursue my dream of becoming a kindergarten teacher. And um, Jeremy really was not a part of my life at that point. Um, we had broken up along the way. And I was kind of doing my own thing as a single mom and a single lady, and that was the plan. So after I found out that Kim was pregnant, um, I watched her pick up a new dream for her life. And it was pretty devastating and pretty hard for me because I couldn't find a new dream for me. I thought the idea of being a sports agent was ridiculous at that point, and I pretty much just stopped even thinking about it. And so, as I watched her picking up this new dream and pursuing it, it was pretty hard for me. I mean, I was 17 years old. I was only a junior in high school. I was still a kid, and yet I was going to have a kid. So here I was, pretty angry at Kim because she was moving on with her life, and I was just stuck, and I didn't know what the next step was. For a few years of being in this place where I just couldn't find myself or find what I wanted to do or be when I grew up, um, I decided that I was going to go and try and find God. Um, I'd grown up in church and I knew that it was just time for me to surrender my life. And so I started going to a church and as I did that, God slowly started to put a new plan in my heart or a new dream for my life. So I had moved away during that time to Alaska and brought Christina with me. And it was back in Minnesota on a visitation visit um, that Jeremy and his new lease off and heart, I guess, um, except, or chose to invite me to family night with Christina at his new church. And um, my world was kind of crumbling apart at that point again. And uh, so I took him up on his offer for the sake of our daughter and nothing to do with him. And um, that was the night that God found me. Uh, I ended up being saved that evening. And uh, God really used that moment in our life to start to reveal to us that what started out as a dream or as a shattered livelihood when we were 17 he was using for his glory and for his good and it was really the turning point at which our hearts started to soften towards each other and God we let God into our lives and show us how he wanted to bring us together as a family unit Wow, your technology is amazing. I mean, moving pictures are one thing, but I saw this rectangle with these four spinning wheels on it. Uh, mass transit, buses, I think you call them. Oh my gosh, if we would have had buses when we had to make that journey to Bethlehem, the census deal, 
We could have had comfort. We could have had warmth. I bet there would have been a lot less fighting. It would have been awesome. But, you know, thinking about that journey to Bethlehem and the smelly, long donkey ride, the rocky roads, just the real unsafetiness of the, the, just the treachery of the whole thing, plus the fact that when we got there, we knew all that was going to await us was more taxes. That, that experience was unbelievably hard, but, but really nothing compared to the months leading up to that time. When I think back on that, that was the real miracle. See, I'd grown up in this family of, of followers of God. My father, Jacob, had been a carpenter just like his father. And, and I'd gone into business with him when I was about 13 years old. He said, you're a man. You're going to start doing this with me. I'm going to teach you the trade. And then when you're 18, I'm gonna get, you're going to have to start your own business. And, and my mom added, and, and we'll find you a wife. Now, I'd seen a few girls around town, sometimes when we go to synagogue and the, the well, but was really interested in my business. In fact, I had dreams and plans that, that my parents didn't even know about. I'd been working on how I was going to do this and what kind of unique flavor my carpentry skills were going to have in the, not just the village of Nazareth, but, you know, it wasn't too far to get over to Capernaum and the cities over by the Sea of Galilee, and I thought I could really find a niche. It just needs a name. So I came up with Joe's Craft Shack. <laughs> Technology, it's amazing. Well, my parents finally said one day, all right, Joseph, it's time to find a, a wife, and I think we have someone for you. Her name's Mary. I thought, oh, okay. I, I've seen Mary at synagogue. Uh, she's a few years younger than me. Our family's journeyed to Jerusalem when we've done the Passover before. She doesn't seem too weird, but uh, do you know? I knew I didn't get a lot of say in the matter. I went over to her house that first meeting, and it, it was pretty awkward. I knew why I was there. She probably knew why I was there, and, and yet we didn't get to talk, even though we were technically adults. Our parents kind of set up all the initial arrangements for this betrothal, this, this contract for marriage. Uh, and so after things went well that time, then, then I was invited to discuss how it was going to happen and, and go meet her parents, and my parents would help us figure out the dowry and figure out the rest of the arrangements, but she still had to accept. And that just brought up all this, this nervous energy. I didn't know, and, and it kind of made my plans fast forward and, and accelerate, and I thought about not just Joe's Craft Shack, but then what would our home be like? And I, I took a kind of an inventory of her parents' house right from the moment I walked in and saw, because normally, once this betrothal starts, the man goes over to the, the wife's parents' house and starts adding on to the back or the side their own place to live. And, and how could I get a door for us? How could I have just a little bit of privacy in the midst of that kind of living situation? And, and I had seen how there was really some possibility there. But not only did I picture our home, and not only did I picture my business, but then I started to picture what our, what our family would be like. Now I pictured these three boys and two girls running around the house and, and calling me Papa and 
And I pictured Mary and, and her sweet demeanor, and I really thought we could, we could have something special. And so we drew up these arrangements and presented them, and the symbol is to have a pour a glass of wine and, and pass that wine cup over to her. And if she drinks it, she accepts this betrothal. She accepts this wedding arrangement. And then from that point on, we are everything but married in, in terms of... Um, one small but large act, and in society's terms, in our family's terms, uh, we needed to start progressively becoming husband and wife. And she accepted. It was, it was a beautiful day. Uh, my father said, okay, son, it's, it's time for, for you to do many transitions now. One, you need to, you need to work for me a little less, and, and, and two, you need to start figuring out how you're going to gather some business. But then three, you need to be over after work at Mary's house. You need to, be start, work, you need to start working on, on your place, your home, your, where, where you are going to live. And so, crack of dawn, I would wake up and we'd have a little breakfast. I'd work with my dad until the deeper part of the afternoon. And I'd run over there, start working there. And if her family was going to eat late, then they'd often invite me in after a few hours of work on the place. Mary would come out after her chores and her work, and she would greet me. And as we got to know each other more, she'd greet me with a hug. She'd, she'd sometimes even greet me with a little kiss. And, and she'd just tell me about her day. And she'd not only tell me about her day, she'd tell me about the plans that she had and the expectations that she wanted on our wedding and our moms were both involved in the wedding, and uh, I don't think that's changed over the years. It gets a little bit treacherous, but I was able to kind of keep pounding away on, on my wood, and, and, and things just seemed to go pretty smoothly. So, so one day, just, just one random day, I, I don't know, maybe a month later, she just looked troubled. Not just troubled, she looked like she had the weight of the world on her shoulders. Like there was just something that could, she couldn't get past. And, and I didn't know her well enough to exactly know what was up. But I just stopped and I said, Mary, are, are you okay? And, and, and she didn't hear me. Earth to Mary. Mary, 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 quite contrary. Uh, you have a, how's your garden? Uh, what, what about your lamb? Do you want to, and nothing. And you know, there's two kinds of people in the world, some that, that are funny and some that think they're funny. And I was beginning to find out I was probably the second one. But, but Mary, what's wrong? What, is it the plans on the house? Is it the plans for our wedding? And, and then, what plans, plans, what, what plans? No, no, I, 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 Planned Parenthood? No, plan, Elizabeth, did you talk about, and I was just, I'd never done this before. Elizabeth? And, and she kind of shook back into it. Yeah, Elizabeth, my, my cousin, my really old cousin, she's pregnant. I, I got to go see her. Mary started acting like a crazy woman. And uh, she lives in the hill country of Judea. That's, that's a couple days journey. It's, it's treacherous, and I, I don't think you should do that. And she's like, no, 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 I'm going. I'm leaving in the morning, and that's all there is to it. Okay, fine, I'll go with you. No. Okay, I, I can drop you off. I mean, no, 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 I'll be fine. Uh, my, my father's going to take me, and, uh, and 
I'm just so excited for her, and I'm excited for us, and it's, everything's going to be fine. And then, and then she grabs my arms and then looks at me. She says, Joseph, do you believe God sends messages to us? Uh, yeah. Yeah. God sends messages all the time. I mean, we have our scriptures and, and, and talks about all kinds of people seeing messages from God. Yeah. He, he, yeah. No. Well, they, yes, Joseph, I agree. But do you believe God still sends messages to us? Sure. Yeah. Anybody who's married in the room know that sometimes that that special person in their life is looking for a certain kind of answer. And so you're not really thinking of what you really think. You're just trying to think of what the answer that they want to hear might be. I thought that was the answer, and I forgot to ask her, well, how long are you going to go, and when are you going to come back, and, you know, do you need me to do anything, and three months. She was gone more than three months. Kept coming over to the house, kept working on her house, kept asking her parents if if they had heard anything. I, I didn't hear anything. And they just kind of said, calmly tried to reassure me, gave me no real specific information. But if, if you know, we did hear this, and, and uh, the news has really traveled all the way from Jerusalem because something happened to Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband. And so we're, we're just as excited as you, Joseph, to find out the information. But you just, you just calm down, I'm sure. I'm sure Mary's got a pretty good head on her shoulders. I'm sure everything's going to be fine. So she came back, and it wasn't fine. She came back, and our conversations weren't the same. And, and I didn't figure it out until one day when I had to leave and go run an errand for my dad. And so I'm walking early in the morning by the, the, the well in town, and, and I hear some of the women talking. And I hear them talking about Mary. And I don't like what they're saying. In fact, child and pregnancy and scandal were some of the words. I'm not going to repeat some of the other ones. But it was incredibly hard to just even stay focused on my work that day. I'm surprised I didn't pound off one of my thumbs. But I, I mean, thoughts were just whirling through my head and my plans that all of a sudden were charted out and looked very linear and step by step and all finished products on the paper, they, they were scattered. I felt like a wind was blowing my parchments down the road and I couldn't catch them fast enough. These were my plans. This was my future. What was going on? Finally, I, I was able to finish work. Not finish, just time ran out. I ran over to Mary's house. I started the project. I didn't want to accuse her, which was hard enough in itself to wait and Finally, she came out like she normally did and, and sat down. And I waited until there was a moment where, where she was really listening and looking at me. And I just turned to her, confronted her. Mary, people around town are, 
are talking crazy. They're, they're saying that, that you're pregnant. And I looked over at her. And she was seated on this barrel. And she looked up at me. And her big, beautiful eyes didn't, they didn't move. But they just filled up with tears. And I knew. And her eyes didn't move. They didn't leave Lyman. Even as the, the streaks of tears were running down her face. And she said, Joseph, just can, can I please explain? It's, it's not what you think. There was this anger that I had never felt before that just, just started to rumble up to my throat. I couldn't even speak. I just, who, who, who? Who's, who's the father? She said, Joseph, just, it's, it's a little complicated. Any more words that were going to come out of my mouth were not going to be righteous. They were not going to be pretty. I just, I just turned and, and ran. I left. I could not face this new reality. didn't know. Now, I don't know about you, when you think about anger, what comes to your mind? I mean, some people don't see silence as anger, but I think it's absolutely anger. The silent treatment was around way before I came to Nazareth, and it was around far after, and I hear it's live and well with you. We don't like what we see, we don't like from someone else, so we just ignore them. And that was my first response. That was better than exploding. I mean, some people explode verbally, and they shout, and they scream, and they swear. I have an uncle that does this, and his children cower in terror, and they're all adults. Because they just never know what they're going to get with him. He doesn't realize the damage he's causing. Because every one of those words that come out can't be taken back in. Some people do that. Some people explode physically when... And I, I never, never hit Mary. I never hit anyone, but... But I'll tell you, in the days after this, I broke more projects than I care to admit. I lost a lot of business for myself and my dad because I would just be working and I would just think about her face. I would think about that moment. I would kind of perseverate on that moment and all of a sudden I would be finding myself destroying whatever was in front of me and throwing it across the room. So I didn't hurt anyone with my physical explosions, but but I destroyed things. And one day, one day as I was throwing something across the room, I realized it wasn't just a scrap of wood. It was a finished project. And my dad had walked in, and, and I just crumpled on the ground, and I wept. And he put his hand on my shoulder. He said, son, he waited for me to look at him. I had to wait a long time. He said, son, if, if the rumors are true, there's not enough wood in the shop to throw it. it. 
it's not going to fix it. You've got to face this. So I, I went to synagogue, Sabbath day, church for you on, on Saturday that next week. And I noticed Mary wasn't there. But, uh, but I listened to the rabbi. We, we read one of the prayers from my ancestor David, Psalm 4. It was, answer me when I call. To you, my righteous God, give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. This was, my, this, is, this was for me. This is what I needed. Because, see, I just realized I, I felt totally betrayed. I felt like my, pre, my plans were, were hijacked. I, I thought, see, I thought that I was getting a wife that was going to respect me. I thought and had planned that, that we would have this life of, of respect, a life of love, a life where, where people could even see God through the way that we acted. I had planned that our house would be the best house a hardworking poor person could find, that, that, that we could have people. I expected us to welcome friends and, and family and, and even foreigners. And that was gone. I, I promised this faithfulness, I expected that in return. And it was gone. You know, I, I planned a, a, a life with children. I just, I just expected that we would have them together. And so as I'm sitting there and I'm praying this prayer, and the rabbi speaks, I, I just know this, this is for me. And so I talk with this this rabbi after, Rabbi Benjamin, and, and I say, I had these expectations, and I tried to speak in code as to not further disgrace Mary. I had these expectations of, of what I wanted in life, Rabbi, and, and the reality is, I don't know if I'm going to get them anymore. And he looked at me and, and listened, and, and he said, you must be upset about that. Yeah, I am. I said, well, normally when, we, when our reality and our expectations are in line, we're, we're pretty happy about that. Okay, I mean, I know I'm not a carpenter, but that makes sense. I mean, I know I'm just a carpenter, but that makes sense. So, so he said, so you're, what you're saying is your reality isn't meeting your expectations. Yeah, yeah, I guess that would be the smart person's way to say that. You seem angry about that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am angry about that. Thank you very much. That's why this prayer is so good for me. I give me answer and relief in my distress. And he goes, you need to change your prayer. What? You're praying the wrong prayer. All right, that's why you're the rabbi and I'm the carpenter. What do you mean? And he said... That, that instead of asking for relief, I should almost thank God for the anger. And I, what? And he said, anger is God's 
God-given response. It's a God-given response. He gave us this emotion to tell us that something is wrong, that there's an injustice or, or a loss, that there's this gap between what you thought you were going to get and what, what you have. And, and so in that moment, that's God's way of saying, see something. See it. What is missing? Okay. All right. I think I'm tracking. So, so anger's not bad. I said, no. Anger's not bad. What you do with your anger determines if it's good or bad. In your anger, you need to ask God to see. So that in your anger, you don't sin. That was good. Okay. I need a little more. And he said, God's emotional response to anger when there's this loss or when there's this injustice, this, this, this perceived injustice. We have an emotional response to this perceived injustice. Most of us then react. Did you explode at her? I'm like, oh, just sort of. Okay. How do you know it was her? I know it was her. Okay. But you can pause. You have a choice. When the emotion comes up from this perceived injustice, you can pause and you can pray and you can ask God what you need to see. Because what if your perception is wrong? What if what you think is injustice is not at all what God sees? You need to change your prayer. You have a choice, Joseph. Okay, thanks, Rabbi. I think I caught that. I walked home and... Okay, God. What do I need to see? What am I missing? I didn't know, so... I know I was missing a loss of trust. I, I know I was missing trust because I totally felt betrayed. I know I was, I was missing this, this respect that I thought I was going to have because, because I felt shame. I know I was, I was missing control. I really wanted those plans and they're gone. Those are the things I was missing. So, so I went home and I paused and I prayed. I said, okay. What's the, what, how do I not sin in this situation? I guess that was my prayer. Well, I guess I could just divorce her quietly. I mean, the law says that she should die, so I don't want to publicly expose her. I'm sure the teachers of the law would love to have a heyday of spectacle of Nazareth. Everybody hates Nazareth, so, so I'll just divorce her quietly. That, that's the logical, ethical thing to do. She can probably live with Elizabeth and Zechariah up in the hill country of Judea. That's, that's far enough away. She should be okay. I'll ask God to heal my heart and move on with my life. I paused. I prayed. Didn't, didn't react. You know, there's a perceived injustice. I have my emotional response, and, and I added the choice before I took the action. It's logical. It's ethical. It's, it's good. I went to bed that night. 
was pretty easy to go to sleep. I was emotionally exhausted from all of this stuff, and, and I slept so deep, so deep that, that when I awoke in a dream, I wasn't sure if I was awake or if I was completely asleep, but whatever I saw in the depths of that sleep, I'd never seen before. In the depths of that sleep, I saw an angel as bright as day, as tall as a tree, as strong as the new walls of Jerusalem that that this Herod guy was building. And he stood with this authority. He said, Joseph, ancestor of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Bring her to your home that you are building. She will conceive. She has conceived. What she has conceived, it's from God. Your perception is wrong, Joseph. This is God's son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. It will be just like the prophet Isaiah said, Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. You are to give him the name Emmanuel, God with us. I woke out of that sleep, and I was sweaty. I was disoriented, dizzy, confused. I had a giant headache, but I knew exactly what I needed to do. It was, it was just before the crack of dawn. The roosters that were about to go crazy had not quite gone, gone crazy yet, but I knew that everybody would be up soon, so I woke up and splashed water on my face and moved my hair and raced over to her house, went around to the back because nobody was up yet, saw her little window or what I thought was her window and grabbed that pot and stood up on that, pulled myself up into her window. I knew it was small, so I knew I wasn't going to be able to quite fit through. I just didn't know I would get stuck in the window. But as the, the wood and the clay and the stone is pressing against my sternum, I'm able to whisper and wheeze, Mary, 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 Joseph, Mary, I was a fool. Well, yeah, no, I, I was completely foolish. I didn't get it. I just got angry and I didn't ask God what it meant to see what he wanted me to see and how he was supposed to honor you. What? Like, I, I made a commitment to you. I just asked God, God, how can I not sin in this situation? I didn't ask God, God, what do you want me to see in this situation? How can I honor you? Mary, I will honor God for the rest of my life. I will give my life to you. I will honor you. Mary, I will... I will stay by your side. I don't, it's not going to be easy. In fact, it's going to be quite chaotic. It's already scandalous. People are thinking that we've done something wrong or you've done something wrong, but I will never leave you. I'm so sorry. Mary, will you take me back? 
Mary, we are going to give him the name Jesus. The angel came to me. I know what we need to do. We will raise him. I have plans, and I needed to throw those plans out and instead see God. And I can picture it now. You are going to be the best mom. If you can help me out of this hole, I think I will be a pretty good dad. And I will build him a crib fit for a king. I'll even trade to, to get gold on it. And, and I will prepare an extra room for you so that, so that you can invite Elizabeth and she can help you give birth to this child. And, and Nazareth isn't that, blad, bad, that bad of a place to raise a kid, right? Like, it's not like Egypt or something. Now, we get me unstuck? Please, I'm just so thankful that I'm not stuck in my anger anymore. 